Welcome back, Life Group Leaders, to another Life Group Leader podcast. Another podcast. This is Pastor Evan. And I'm joined with me, Pastor Pastor Hayden. (laughs) And here at Compass, we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And Pastor Hayden, do we just do some of that, or is everything at the church about that? Yeah, everything we do at Compass Bible Church, including this podcast, is to fulfill the mission of reaching, teaching, and training. Well, Compass, we are wrapping up our last sermon in the series, A Work in Progress. Progress, no past tense. No ED. No, we're still 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 doing it. it. Yeah, we're still doing (laughs) it. It's a work in progress, and the sermon title is Thriving Together, and this is from Colossians 3, 16 to 17. And let me read that to you all right now. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. All right, Pastor Hayden, as we wrap up this sermon series in Colossians 3, what should we expect from this Sunday sermon and also for our life groups this week? Great question. Good to uh, be with you guys again. And as we uh, enter into our last sermon here in our uh, series of Work in Progress, we are going to learn how to thrive together, how it's a responsibility of all of us and in God's church to be a part of what it takes to build God's church. And uh, one of the preaching point that we can point to this week is cultivating a Bible-saturated life is necessary for everyone who desires to live a godly life especially those who hope to lead others into a thriving relationship with God. And so as we look at this week, uh, that's what we're going to be focusing on. And even as as life group leaders, be praying right now uh, for the sermon this weekend and its impact in the life of the people in our church. And so as we're looking at uh, how we're going to have Bible-saturated lives and how we are going to help everyone at our church have Bible-saturated lives so we can be helpful to one another, we need to understand there's a couple things we need to do. We need to put the Bible first in our own lives, right? We got to make sure that it is, as uh, we see in verse 16, that it's dwelling in us ritually. Uh, we also need to help it become the priority in the life of other people. Uh, we need to make sure that it's dwelling richly in everyone in God's church. Uh, and when those things happen, we can help one another in teaching and admonishing uh, and help everyone appropriately represent Christ well in in whatever they do, in whatever word or whatever deed, everything they do, they can do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. So our whole sermon is going to be revolved around that simple concept that seems to also be a very difficult in all of our lives as Christians. So going to be a wonderful uh, text this weekend and a wonderful opportunity to uh, jump into God's Word with you guys. All right, Pastor Hayden, at first glance, this is a pretty simple text to really just know and understand what the interpretation mm-hmm. is. However, if you kind of dive into a word study, there's a more rich understanding that we can have about this text that be able to help us as life group leaders to live out, but also be able to help you know teach and guide our life groups in as we do the application questions. Mm-hmm. So what are a, a couple helpful insights or phrases that you have uh, for us this week for Colossians 3, 16 to 17? Uh, For sure. I know I'm going to say a lot of this in the sermon, so I'll try to give some helpful insight that isn't uh, too 
uh, too uh, repetitive for this weekend, but if we look at the word dwell, uh, that is so important. It's not only the second person imperative here that's telling us that this is what we have to do, and it's let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and that means that's where it is located, uh, that's where it resides, and that's where it is always found. I don't want you to think there's lots of different uh, illustrations you can do with this, but uh, if I, I uh, am looking for oil, and uh, you know I'm, a, I'm an oil uh, company, and I'm going out there, I'm looking for the place where the oil dwells, where it is richly found, and then I'm going to drill in there, and when I drill in there, what's going to come out is what's in there, and that is the oil. And in our case, that oil should be the very Word of God. When I drill into your life and I drill into your heart, uh, the Word of Christ ought to be what is oozing out of you. And so, it, you know, what, what we're saying is, man, we need to hit the mark, and when we hit oil, that is the Word of Christ in our life, it's just going to be pouring out. So that means no matter who we're talking to, no matter what relationship we're dealing with in our life, whether it's uh, our kiddos, whether it's our, uh, our spouses or our boss at work or our co-workers, uh, whatever they, whenever they get into your life, whenever the, whatever you're talking about comes out of you, uh, they're going to understand what is dwelling in you because it's coming out of you. And so that dwell is so important, and it's very rich word uh, because it actually informs everything else we're going to talk about in the next two verses. And those two things are uh, teaching uh, and admonishing. Uh, that is uh, didasco, right? Teaching and admonishing, nutateo, okay? Uh, and this is something that we're supposed to do to one another, right? Let Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. And the only way we're going to do those things well is if the Word of Christ is dwelling in us richly. Uh, maybe I'll say this Sunday, maybe I won't, but uh, for you just to think, uh, there, have there been times in your life where people come up to you with problems and you have a hard time helping them? And you have a hard time helping them understand, I don't know how you would deal with this. You got conflict in a certain situation. You're dealing with a certain suffrage, suffering situation in your own life. You know, fill in the blank. And you are kind of out of blank at how to help them. Well, that is exactly the problem uh, that this text is trying to get us to solve is, you know, when the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, that means, you know, we're diving into God's word. Uh, we're in constant prayer with God. We're in the community of the saints. Uh we're going to be able to, when people come up to us and, and, and ask for help, we're going to be able to teach and admonish. We're going to be able to point them to God's Word because it's dwelly, dwelling in us and richly coming out of us. And we're also going to be able to instruct and admonish one another. Even when, when sin is involved or when things are involved and in a, in a change needs to be made, you're going to not only be able to have the confidence to do that, uh, you can have the authority to do that because your authority doesn't rest on your opinion that's uninformed, but it rests on the understanding of Scripture and its impact in our lives. And so dwelling, uh, having that word of Christ dwelling you richly so that you can teach and admonish is going to be the, such an important aspect of the health of not only your life, but also in the life of our church. And that is an excellent segue to go right into the cross references, uh, Pastor Hayden, that you um, brought here in Romans and Second Timothy chapter three. So you want to touch on those as they directly connect to what you just said. Yeah, these are two great references for you guys. The first is Romans fifteen fourteen, and Paul says, "I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness." not good in and of themselves. They have the goodness of Christ, right? What, what is dwelling in them is the word of Christ. So they're full of the goodness of Christ and they're filled through that, through that being full of Christ, the word of Christ, they're filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. It is uh, pivotal that we as a church 
understand that we have to be instructing one another. It's not just the job of the pastor. Is it the pastor's job? Is it the, the responsibility of the office of overseer? Yes, of course, but it's the responsibility of all those in God's church to be able to, because we're full of goodness, because we're filled with the knowledge of Christ, to be able to instruct one another. So we need Bible-saturated lives for those things to happen. And here's the authority in which we can rest the instruction and the wisdom and the teaching. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We talk about this a lot because we have to understand this or we're always going to be afraid to give counsel. We're always going to be, uh, we're always going to truncate what the Bible says if we don't understand this one thing. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. So all of it, every single piece of it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And for what reason? Verse 17, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so there's purpose behind the teaching. There's purpose behind the admonishment. There's purpose behind being full of the word of Christ. And that is so that we may be complete and equipped for every good work. And so that's really what we're going at this weekend and what we should be going for in our life every single day. We're here to be equipped for every good work. And it's going to take all of scripture. And it's going to take teaching, reproof, and correction, and training. And this is not just a New Testament concept. In this week's DBR, and as we're diving into Deuteronomy, this very, very familiar uh, passage in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, specifically verses 4 and 9, to make sure that the word of Christ, the you know, scripture is in our hearts, is you know is in verse 4 of Deuteronomy 6. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shema. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down and where you, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a... Uh, be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And what God is telling Israel right here is that your my word should be in you so much that it almost be like it's on your hands, not physically, but the hands that what your hands are doing for work are just a natural outflow of what God's word is in, how God's word is stored in your heart. And the frontlets between your eyes is what you're thinking, how what you're thinking, because the word of God is so saturated in your mind, it's just naturally thinking about his word. And then the doorposts of your home, meaning you are so Bible saturated that when people look at your house, they see a house that is submitted to God and that they love God. And if you actually go to uh, Israel and you uh, hang out with any Orthodox Jews, you're going to see a couple of things uh, that are interesting when it comes to uh, these verses, which are called the it's called the Shema here. And this is something that all uh, all uh, Jews would know, especially then, and all Orthodox Jews and people who are practicing. Uh, but even when they say these things, uh, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Uh, they have these things even today. If you go to Israel, called phylacteries, and they bind them around their heads and on and on their foreheads they literally have uh, the word of God in these phylacteries and, and and wrapped around their arms and if you go up to their homes uh, there's a little slip there uh, at the front of their home and they have uh, they have the Torah in uh, even attached to their homes and so they took the Shema and they took it literally uh, and no matter where they go they have the the very words of God uh, all around them and uh, maybe we don't need phylacteries or uh, maybe 
pieces of the Bible, you know, attached to parts of your house, but maybe you do, right? Maybe uh, we need to be a little more practical in the way that we take uh, the Shema seriously in our own life about how we're going to make sure that we are uh, saturated with God's Word. And also, uh, Compass, this is a great reminder of what Jesus said, you know, out of the uh, out of the overflow of the heart, the, the mouth speaks. And so what, what do, what do our words say? Is it, are we so Bible saturated that we naturally say things of God's word or are we just so not Bible saturated and we just say whatever's on our mind. And so good test to see where, where are you in your, in your uh, sanctification in, in this regard of the word of Christ dwelling in you. See, what am I saying to people, to my spouse, to my kids, to my bosses, to my friends? And so, and Pastor Hayden, one more thing about uh, that text with singing is that, is Paul referencing that this is a natural overflow or is he, what is he talking about that aspect? Yeah, that's a good, good point. We're talking there in verse 16. Uh, it's very interesting when, uh, you know, when I look at verses 16 through 17, it's not just talking about the work of the pastor. Uh, but it's very interesting how verses 16, uh, especially 16, really informed kind of the way that we even have corporate worship these days. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and we're teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Well, that sounds like a sermon, and that sounds what we do in church. And then we're singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts to God. That's really the kind of gist of what we would, would call a church service. Uh, but the point here isn't necessarily that there is singing going on or that, oh, we always have to be singing, but it is really the overflow of the thankfulness of God in our hearts. Uh, you know, when, when we get when we get excited and maybe when you have a lot of joy in your heart, you just start singing, right? We see it in poetry. You may even see it in your own life. When you get really uh, enthralled in joy and in and enjoying things, you will just burst out in song. Well, the, the bursting out in song is really a uh, pointing towards uh, what are you singing about? Well, I'm thankful in my heart to God, and it comes out in song. So it's really the disposition of someone who has the word of Christ dwelling in them richly. Uh, that's going to be uh, a, at least a outward a reflection of the thankfulness that they have to God. All right, Pastor Hayden, when we lead our life groups this week, what is the direction you want us to make sure that we are going with the applications this week? application questions this week. You know, this is a great week uh, for opportunities to help your group practically when it comes to creating and maintaining good Bible reading habits. And it's not just checking the box. Uh, uh, even as I often are ta am talking to people, even in counseling, uh, what we want to make sure that people understand is not checking the box. It's understanding a couple of things about Scripture, that it's living and it's active and it's breathing, right? And it's penetrating our lives to the deepest depths. And then we have the Holy Spirit within us who uh, is exacting change in our lives. And so God has created His Word uh, to uh, then come together and interact with God's Spirit. Uh, and those two things that are working in our lives are going to be those things which conform us and exact the change in our lives that we pray for and that we hope for. And it's called sanctification. And so it's both those things working in concert. And I say things, I'm not just talking about a thing, because it's the Word of God, right? In the Word word of God, you need to do a study through Scripture. It means so many different things. But here we're letting the Word of Christ, this is the very words of Christ, and the words of Christ are going to be uh, entering into our lives, which in our lives, in our souls, in our bodies, we have the Holy Spirit of God who lives in us, and He is working in us to uh, help us with a lot of things. And a lot of those things are righteousness and judgment and sanctification and sin. And so both of those in concert together is going to do the work in our lives uh, and, and, and compel us to be 
to be godly and to be building godly lives. And so it's not a checkbox. It's a, it's, then that's just the ingredients of living a godly life. And, you know, if I have to check a box to make those things happen, then so be it. But it should never be the kind of checkbox rote type of lifestyle that I'm living to just do what I'm supposed to. Uh, I'm pleased to do those things because I love God. You know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. All right. But do that in your group this week. Help your people understand the importance of these things and how it works together uh, to help us grow in our relationship with God and even grow in our own sanctification. All right, Pastor Hayden, what resources do we have for our life group leaders this week? I feel like we're just giving them like a giant library that's going to look like they're going to have a great library. Beauty and the Beast status right now. It's going to be great. Eventually, your libraries will be massive if they're not already. Uh, Two, I'll give you, uh, and Pastor Evan will give you one or two. Uh, Number one is Why the Bible by Mike Fabares. That's going to be a good one for you. Uh, it's just a very simplified uh, volume of why we have the Bible. Uh, and then another one that I like is Seven Reasons Why You Can Trust the Bible by Erwin Lutzer. Very good book. I, I love it because it says seven reasons, so people are more compelled to read it because they know they kind of can see the gist of the book. But it's so good, and it'll be very, very helpful for you guys as you're trying to— people need to understand, why can I trust the Bible? Well, If, if having a Bible-saturated life is so important, how can I trust the claims of Scripture? Well, these books will kind of help you understand the, the gist behind that and, and why you can trust the Bible. And then as it saturates your life, you can then see the personal change it exacts in the life of the believer. And sometimes you're going to have the question yourself about, okay, how did we get the Bible? And people who are in your life group are going to ask this and people in the community of like, how did we really get the Bible? And there's a great book called How We Got the Bible by Timothy Paul Jones. It's a very easy read. It's a great read that does a great job summarizing in a 30,000 foot view of the history behind how we got the Bible. And it's important for us to understand that so that we, one, we understand it ourselves so that we can also trust it. But then the other book uh, by Sinclair Ferguson is, you know, from the mouth of God, trusting, reading, and applying the Bible. And so it's, so we know where it comes from. We have reasons why we should trust it. And we know it's from the mouth of God. So let's trust it. Let's read it. And then we want to apply it because the word here in the Shema doesn't mean just listen. It means to listen and obey. And so that's why these resources, resources will be helpful for you to better help lead your life group to not just read the Bible, but to read it so that they can obey God. And remember, these resources are for you, but they're also for you to share with your life group. It's so that you can uh, be a, a leader in such a way that you're equipped to help them with more resources that might be helpful for them. Absolutely. All right. As a reminder, life group leaders, if you have not gotten the new book that we'll be reading together, gotten, 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 is that a word? Gotten, received, obtained, (laughs) um, spiritual leadership by Oswald Sanders. If you did not get your copy yet, please email me or Linda or pastor Hayden. We have those copies because next week, pastor Hayden, what are we going to do? We're going to be looking through chapter one of spiritual leadership. And uh, during this time right here, when I'm speaking through this segment of the podcast, we'll be going through that together. So make sure you've read chapter one, make sure you've answered the questions, uh, the application questions there on the back, and then we'll go over it. And we pray that this will just be undergird your training as a life group leader here through the podcast. And so we hope and pray that it's an encouragement to you and it's a help and a, uh, a partnership uh, of, of uh, stewardship for you as we help you lead your life groups well. So we have some announcements, Pastor Evan. Can you uh, can you give us some things we can be looking forward to? 
Well, first off, we have a prayer night this Sunday. Oh, man. At 5 p.m. at the church building. 24-15. Lifehouse. Industrial. Drive. That's where we're meeting, right there at the church building. And we want you guys to be there. It's going to be dusty. It'll be a little messy. uh, But it's going to be so good when it comes to uh, the whole church coming together, praying about this facility and a few other things that are of utmost importance in the life of our church. So come ready. Remember, we have no child care. We have uh, very, very limited, you could almost say non-existent bathroom access. And so make sure that you uh, go to the restroom before you come. And then uh, perhaps also don't drink too much water. Uh, and then we'll get you in and out of there. But we want you guys to be there to pray with us. And from 5 o'clock, we are going to be starting praying. So make sure that you're there on time. And then maybe afterward, we'll show you some of the progress after. But from 5 to 6, we are going to be praying. Right. And we might show you some progress depending on... Uh, you see a lot of it anyway. But uh, depending on the tile, the tile's wet. We can't be stepping on the tile. So we're just going to be very cognizant when we go in there. Let's not destroy anything because there's a lot of work being done. But we just can't wait to get you guys in there to start praying. So we'll give you some more direction as we get there on Sunday night of where we can go and uh, what we can do. Uh, yeah, and, and last thing, I mean, things to be praying for. There's so much to be praying for. We're actually, if you got our uh, monthly uh, email, weekly or monthly newsletter, uh, you saw some some specific prayer requests on there. And one of those is about our Next Gen Ministries. This week we had the most, uh, when we say Next Gen, we mean, uh, you know, we would talk about elementary school or we'll go from birth to 12th grade. That's really the next generation of people being brought up in our church, of souls being discipled. We had the most ever in the history of our church at our midweek ministries this, this past week. And so definitely something you need to be praying for. We need leaders. We need uh, we need more discipleship going on there. And so be praying for that. But we cannot wait uh, to see what God does through uh, this next generation of believers as they are being equipped to do the work of ministry. So uh, with that being said, guys, we cannot wait to see you this weekend. Looking forward to our life groups this next week and all God's going to do. Uh, through your lives.